Welcome to the Turn Up, Turn Down podcast. I'm Eric Torres. I'm John Potts. Thank you so much for tuning in. What are you talking about today, Eric? Today, we are going to go over our number one requested topic that we've got from quite a few people just requesting to talk about how to put together a studio. Let's get into it. All right. So, John, if someone comes to you and says, I'm, I want to put together a studio at my house, I want to start recording, what are you going to tell them? Well, the first thing I'd do is I'd ask them, what are you recording? Who are you recording? And, and go from there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. are, are you planning on uh, putting together a rig you know, to, to record your own ideas? Are you a songwriter? Do you um, envision yourself recording clients? Do you envision yourself recording something more than just a singer-songwriter, maybe a band, where you need uh, space for drums, a, a bigger area? Because all that matters. Yeah, from the very beginning, it matters. Like, Sure, you can, you can have the smallest starting point, but if you have that in mind that you want to record drums and everything, it probably makes a little more sense to, to go there from, to at least get most of the way there from the beginning. Right. They're, they're, like you just said, you can, you can start small, even if you are planning on going big, but the way you start small in that scenario is still different than the way you start small if you're um, recording just a guitar vocal for yourself. So You might have to do a little more quantity over quality from the, from the beginning. Exactly. You can always start small with, um, you know, my plan is to record guitars and vocals, and I'm going to get a good quality mic and a good quality interface first, but I know that in the future I'm budgeting for, a like, let's say, a high-quality mic or something like that. But if right. you're doing drums, you need to at least have enough inputs on, on your interface to do it, and and obviously the mics to go along with those inputs, and and so that yeah, it, it it's it's very important to not. I've done this. This is <laughs> this is a hundred percent advice from uh, experience. You could spend a lot of money on stuff you don't need, <laughs> <laughs> and and you could also spend a lot of money buying bad gear that you're going to need to replace sooner than you think, because yes. because it it's not up to to even the the basic quality that you need. Right. So one of the most important questions I think is what really matters when it comes down to just putting together something to record. Right. So let's talk about kind of the basics. What what would be the minimum people would need? And we can, I don't know, we can just talk about it from different perspectives. We can go from w- why you would need this for a, for a singer-songwriter, right. why you drums, all that kind of stuff. So the first thing you need is recording software, and an interface, right? Yep. So the interface gets you from a microphone, microphone. Well, I don't know why I said it that way. <laughs> microphone or a you know, and a sound source into your computer, into recording software. I think you and I both use Pro Tools, so we're probably just going to say Pro Tools a lot instead of DAW or whatever the word is. Right. Just to tape or to Pro Tools. That's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna say. Right. Sure. There's definitely different uh, software options out there, and they're they're all in different price ranges. And it matters a little bit, I think, what you're planning on doing. Pro Tools would probably be described as the industry standard. Mm-hmm. And if you're as much as we want to fight it, it still is the industry standard. Exactly. And if if you're planning on being, um, let's say, a, an editor, somebody that that works with a producer, they can edit their tracks or whatever at home and bring it back to the studio the next day, Pro Tools is probably the way to go. Yeah, if you um, plan on doing stuff remotely, remote ex- sessions exactly. or whatever. if Because there's even a lot of musicians that might get stuff, you know, like, hey, can you put a guitar pass on this? 
and they've never put together a rig. So I think it might be helpful too. You know, it, it would be helpful maybe for you to have Pro Tools as well, just to keep it consistent across, you know, from machine to machine, from person to person. Right. A lot of songwriters, people that don't do, let's say, recording or mixing per se, but they do create or compose mm-hmm. are Logic fans. Yeah, big time. It's It seems like more of a creative I think it has thing. more in the... It's not that it Factory. has... Yeah, it's... Pro Tools has plenty of instruments that comes with it these days. I just think that the Logic version of them is easier to get a good sound quickly. Yeah. Presets are good. And so people that are maybe trying to make an arrangement that has strings and horns or whatever, they don't need to spend a lot of time trying to find the right sound. They can just mm-hmm. put it down. I, I think that's a good option for songwriters. Right. The other I, one is Studio One. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one that people are... Yep. I hear a lot of talkings about. And people that were Pro Tools people and they're converted completely. So that's yep. that's great. I think more it's more competition that makes everyone step their game up. Pro Tools is going to start offering some of these things that they will. that other companies are offering now. So that's great. So a lot of these interfaces... Can I say um, once? Can I yeah, jump in yeah, here? Yeah. We're not going to talk about this a lot, but there is another option besides recording software, <laughs> and that's standalone recorders that I don't think either of us have ever used, right? <laughs> I, I had one at one point. Right. There's also a thing called tape. Sure. Yeah, that's... that's we t- that's about all we're going to talk about it. Yeah, the, there is a world out there for people that have a standalone... It, some of them are digital, some of them are tape, some of them right. can be linked to a computer, some of them are very nice. Mm-hmm. But we just we, we don't, don't have any experience with them. Talk yeah. about them. Continue. <laughs> so um, these interfaces—that's the main way to get in and out. Well, that is the only way <laughs> to get to get in and out of your computer, in and out of the software. They have anywhere from one to. 48 inputs. Yeah, and they typically come in pairs, right? So the lowest end will have a, a single channel, right. like one inter, one input, but then it usually goes from 2 to 4 to 8 and 16 yes. is, is kind of the way it runs. That's right. So almost every single one of these interfaces will be compatible with any platform you're recording into. Um, I kind of want to look at it at a low end, a mid-range, and then high end, and then sky's the limit at that point. Right. Like John, John was saying... One, two inputs, four inputs. Why Why do you need multiple inputs? I'm asking you. <laughs> yeah, so one input is a little limiting. You can only do, obviously, one thing at a time. If you're a singer-songwriter, you would be presumably doing a guitar, maybe a piano, something you know, to, to lay the, the background track down, and then you would right. record a vocal over it later. Some people may not like that, may not be comfortable with that. They may want to recorded at the same time, that wouldn't be possible on a one-channel interface. Well, but if, if you're recording it with one microphone, it could. then it takes away your editing. And exactly, yeah. Um, the good thing about some of the one-channel interfaces these days is that a lot of them are iOS compatible too. So if you have an iPad and you're kind of like an on-the-go person, you can take it yeah. with you and do that stuff. So that's that's cool. Those I, are getting so good too. It's they, crazy. They really are. Uh, the thing I would probably say though is that the difference in price between a one-channel and a two-interface is in the Tiny. grand scheme it's pretty negligible. Right. Um, so I, I would say that most singer-songwriters, if that's th- what you're setting up your home studio for, and I don't even want to say singer-songwriters, I think that's probably limiting. Let's say composers. Um, where you know that at any given time you're not doing more than one source and, and a vocal a two-channel interface is good with you. Um, Four-channel interfaces are for people that are maybe doing small 
groups um, for like maybe recording a rehearsal, a band rehearsal. Right. A couple uh, direct mics, maybe a couple room mics, yeah, that kind of thing. You can get a you can get a bass. You can get guitar, a, you vocal. can get a good drum mm-hmm. kit. Yeah. Know, for, for and a, a lot of times in that scenario, what I've done is you, you have a mixer, like a standalone mixer that's like maybe all the drum mics are going in and then you're taking a stereo output of the mixer or even one a mono output yeah. into the interface. You can do it like that, mix it kind of beforehand. Another thing to think about when you're doing um when you're choosing your interface, two, four, eight. Uh, is to look for expandability. Some of these have a digital input option that allow you to do another two or eight channels depending on whether whatever format of digital it is. Right. Well, there's some, especially like the UAD stuff, they kind of they kind of make outboard preamps that work perfectly seamlessly with their interfaces. Right. So their interfaces have one, two, four, eight preamps, and then they make... Outboard, so but they'll have more inputs. Right. They have more I.O. So you buy their four-channel preamp. It's got a digital output. You can use that through the interface. And it's helps. something to look for when you're when you're on Sweetwater or Musician's Friend or whatever. It'll say 10 by 4, you know, interface. And if you look at the details, it'll have two preamps and four analog outputs, but it'll have the option for eight digital Inputs. Right. It's it's very important to actually read read the description of these things and figure mm-hmm. out how yeah. the inputs are coming in. Yeah, you see that it has two mic pre's, but it says it has ten inputs, and you're thinking how how is that possible? Right. He just explained it. That's that's how it's possible. A lot of the um, eight channel interfaces are four preamps and four line level inputs, so you would have to have a separate uh, preamp or a line level instrument like a keyboard or something. Right, where you can just plug straight plug, into plug straight it. into it. Yeah, that's right. Do you want to kind of talk specifics? Yeah, I think that's good. I mean, I don't know about you, but when people ask me about this stuff, they're not just asking me for the theory. <laughs> I yeah. think it's good to get into theory, it but helped. they're asking that's for... That's the little preface, and then yeah. you say, here's a couple suggestions. Sure. On the low end, um, we're kind of talking maybe 250 and under, which is fairly low. Sure. Um, Apogee is a name that, you know, is revered. I don't know if revered is the right word, but it's kind of known as a, a really good brand as far as conversion goes they make a one channel um it's really small again portable which is great for a mobile rig or something like that as well but really high quality conversion a good mic pre has a little you know it's got a built-in monitor controller all that kind of stuff it goes to your speakers or headphones whatever you got um i think that's a good that's a really good one that i've had real quick when you're talking about conversion Mm -hmm. you're you're talking about from analog to digital right from that's that's the process of going from a voice to a microphone into a computer. A, a digital workstation. Right. Com, com, converting your analog signal into digital. The other brand that comes up a lot um, is Focusrite for the low-end stuff. Yeah. Now, Focusrite has some high-end stuff. I'm not yeah, saying they they're a low-end brand. Extremely high-end stuff as well. Yeah, but the um, their Scarlet line, uh, it, it's really good. For, it's very good. They have a one, two, and four channel interface. That's I think all of it's under two fifty, or right around that price. I know the um, the two channels one fifty, and it's it's just really good stuff. It's got two pre's. It's got a monitor output. You know all that stuff that you need. Like you said, Rocksteady doesn't have it, it, you know yeah. no glitches and that kind of stuff. I, I have a lot of session players that come in here that are keyboard players or something, and they. Um, kind of have their own rig set up that they play into and whatever, but almost I would say ninety percent of them have 
that Focusrite two-channel Scarlet. It's great. Which is awesome. Sort of step up from there in money, and for for more money, you get more IO. Audient, they make um, they make a few different options, kind of starting what I would say mid-range up to full-blown high-end high stuff. Um, they got one called the ID22, and it's great. It's, it gets you more in and out, 10 in, 14 out. It's great. The other two that are that are I think great mid level options are Apogee and Universal Audio. Yeah, Apogee both both of them have uh, offerings from between four and fifteen or twenty five hundred dollars. Right, but just depending on how many inputs and outputs you need, um, Apogee has the quartet. I think that's fifteen hundred, and then they have right. a, a duo that's right around a thousand. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, it's le- yeah, it's less than that. Uh, and then uh, UAD. Uh, Universal Audio has the Aero, which is their new interface. It's five hundred dollars, four channels. It's great. That's that's, that's it's solid incredible. Right there. And then they have uh, the Apollo line starts at eight, uh, eight around eight hundred dollars. And depending on how many inputs you get, it, it gets more. The thing about the UID stuff, which is what I use, I have an Apollo Duo, mm-hmm. is it has an external processor that processes your plugins uh, for your workstation. So, price-wise, it changes on how many processors you have in it. You have a single-core, dual-core, quad-core processor in the unit itself, which is great um, for if you have a slower computer, you can still use high-quality processors. Uh, But you're also enabled to use the processors on the way in. So, if you want to compress or EQ your vocal or whatever it is you're recording on the way in, it allows you to do that with no latency. Right, and they all they sound great. It's it's a great option. It really it, it's, it really it really is good. Um, I love my duo. I, I I'm I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, mm. and moving up from there, it kind of sky's the limit, right? You get um, eight channel, sixteen channel, thirty two channel. The the new Antelope Orion stuff, phenomenal. Yep. They do. Um, they got a single rack space that's like 32 in and out. It's crazy. Like that's that's pretty amazing. Yep. And at a at a reasonable price point for what for what you get. They're also doing a lot of the sort of UAD slate thing where they have some of their own plugins and emulations and all that sort of stuff. Um, I use Lynx converters, Lynx Aurora. Kaboom. We have crazy weather right here in Nashville <laughs> right now and it's kind of freaking the converters out and you probably heard that. Um so yeah, I use the Lynx Aurora. It's 16 channel, um, high end, like mastering grade conversion. I just I like the way they sound, and you know, there's the Avid. Um, there's, yeah, all those brands are great. It, uh, once you get to that point, it's kind of like you know, whatever you're get what comfortable you with using. Yeah, the the big thing that you're going to be jumping uh, from from the mid range or like the higher the higher end of the mid range to the high high end is that typically the high-end stuff doesn't come with built-in preamps. Right, it's just conversion. Right. There's no monitor, controller, all that kind of stuff. Some of them might have line-level input. Some of it has, you know, other MADI or, or whatever. There's all sorts of different types of input. Some of them are digital only. Right. But either way, um, you would need to get your own uh, external preamps to work with that gear. So if we've talked about how to convert analog to digital to get it to our computers, 
we need to talk about how to get the analog signal to those converters first. That's right. right? So that's a microphone. Mm-hmm. There are three main types uh, that you're going to need to know, dynamic, condenser, and ribbon. That's right. How would you quickly define those? <laughs> quickly. <laughs> yeah. Dynamic mics are great for uh, live scenarios as well as really loud sound sources. Drums, loud um, guitar cabs, really loud vocals. Right. Um, condensers are better for, or for, you know, use them for anything, but they pick up, they're a lot more sensitive. They pick up intricacies a lot better, real high detailed. Then you got ribbons. They're kind of their own thing. Uh, they're darker. They, you know, they require more gain, that kind of stuff. But they, they sound great. They have a lot of character. That's that's one of the main things about ribbons. Main characteristic is that they have a lot of character, I think. Yeah. The other thing to think about with mics is that all that stuff we said almost doesn't matter. <laughs> you, can, you can get a, a good sound if you're creative in a lot of situations. And you know, you you have to start somewhere, and for a lot of people, that's one mic. Right. And then you build your mic locker out to accommodate all the stuff you're doing. So if you're planning on doing the studio where you're just recording yourself, and the main thing you're recording is your vocal and an instrument, you want to maybe try to get a good-sounding vocal mic. But then if you start making some more money or whatever, you have, your budget grows, maybe you can then buy a good instrument mic or a different vocal mic, depending on if you sing multiple genres, you can use one mic for one style, you know, and, and then go from there, I think would be. And that's, that's a good way to scale yeah. is, is looking at the different kinds of mics, what you have, what you don't have, because you can use a large diaphragm condenser on uh, an acoustic guitar or something like that. But maybe a small diaphragm diaphragm condenser um, will pick up, you know, the frequencies that, that better suit that instrument. And that's that's the whole reason of having different microphones is what suits that the best or what you're going for. If you're going for a specific sound and you need you need that. There are several jack of all trade microphones. Right. And they they come in all shapes and sizes, cost wise, some of them are dynamic, some of them are condensers. And some staples, right? If you yeah, will. yeah. And, and you, if you start with any of those kind of mics and then work from there, I think it's probably a good way to go. That's right. Would you say that the SM57 or the SM58 is the best place to start? Yes. I mean, why not? You you will find more SM57s than any other mic in the studio. Usually, they have ten of them just because they work on a lot of stuff, and uh, and they're a hundred bucks. Yeah. Sure is the brand. Sure, SM57. The 58 is very similar mic, but, you know, more tailored for vocals. Yeah, uh, I'm recording this on an SM58. <laughs> sounds great, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds awesome. And uh, 58 is a ubiquitous live vocal mic. That's right. Um, and the 57 is as ubiquitous as an instrument mic, but mostly for guitar amps. Um in the and snare drum. Exactly. Guitar amp, snare drum, that is that is a 57. You can use it for other things. Other, Some people like them on toms. Um, they certainly work for it. I wouldn't right. say it's my favorite on that. But um, you really, and there's an old joke, you could record a whole band with a 57, and I, I really think you probably could. I, ha- I absolutely have. I was in a major studio. They had all kinds of stuff, and we, just to do it, we recorded everything with 57s. And it sounded good. Yeah. You know, you had a lot of other gear to help you out, but that helps. Um, 
so some sort of, again, you got that dynamic condenser and ribbon mics. We're going to break it down a little bit into the low, mid, high end. So some quote-unquote low end, we're looking like 300 bucks and below. Um, we're talking brand new prices here, so some of this might, you know, go from one category to another. Um, some brands to look at, again, are Shure, um, Mic Tech. I'm a, I love Mic Tech microphones. They make something from 100 bucks up to $1,500. Um, pretty solid brand. Um, Rode is another brand that makes great stuff. They make some good, uh, kind of low end price wise condenser mics. Um, the NT5s, little pencil condensers sound great. Um, the Shure KSM line is great. Um, they're kind of low mid up to mid range microphones. The, um, the 137s, the small ones, uh, the KSM 32. 44, those kind of get up higher end stuff, but that's a good line to look at. They just, they're bulletproof and uh, very versatile. You can use them on a lot of stuff. In the ribbon category, um, Cascade Fathead, a lot of people are using that. Uh, you're, you're starting to see it at n- not just home studios, but real studios. It's a smaller yeah. company. They they're sound great. They sound great. <laughs> I, I have a pair of them. They work on a lot. Of, what I like about ribbons is you can use them on guitar amps. They sound great, uh, but for drums, overheads, or room mics, it's it's really there's depth. They yeah. roll off some high end. Exactly, that, that, that piercing cymbal thing doesn't show up with ribbons. That's right. I like them on vocals. It doesn't yep. work for everything. You have to have a powerful singer, or it's the the signal to noise is too much. You, for a ribbon mic, you usually have to use more gain, mm-hmm. uh, which is not a problem when you have loud sources, guitar amps, drums, that kind of. They have enough sound pressure. We don't need to use. Uh, the game, but if you're talking about a vocal, you, you really have to kind of crank it if they're not, and, and right. so it'll get a little noisy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it can be cool, especially for like a jazzy thing or something like that. Yeah, rock, it, it can work. You know, I, just again, it just rolls it off. Warms it's it up. a it's a cool looking mic, and yeah. that <laughs> and that helps singers sometimes. It does. Everything helps. Um, moving up, kind of mid range stuff. We're looking more three hundred, seven fifty. That might sound like a lot of money, but Recording costs, <laughs> recording yeah. gear costs money, and it, it's uh, it's expensive. You know, when you look at the grand scheme of things, there's ten and fifteen thousand dollar microphones. So when you're talking about three hundred to seven hundred dollars, uh, I realize I think that's a lot of money. You sure. know, still, but um, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. When you're when you're looking to set up a studio, you're looking to spend money. Unfortunately, this is why we're talking about scaling so much. Right. If you start small and get it as your budget and client base expands, mm-hmm. it, it's a lot easier to, to stomach the Yeah, expense. know what you have, know what you don't have. You can look for good deals, look on Craigslist, look on Reverb, whatever it is. That's a good that point. Helps. We're, we're quoting new prices, but a lot of this can yep. be had used for a little bit cheaper anyway. Yeah, totally. I, I, the, the, the bad thing is these uh, 57s and 58s, you don't really find those used any cheaper because they last a hundred years. <laughs> it's yeah. like you might find so, it for ninety dollars instead of a hundred. But and people beat the crap out of them, so it might be worth getting a new fifty-seven. <laughs> right. Um, a, a great mic I stumbled across is the Roswell Mini K forty-seven. These things are three hundred bucks, and they sound phenomenal. I mean, they are really, really great sounding mics. Vocals, drums. Let's just go ahead and say they just sound great. They're a good utility mic. And three hundred bucks—that's that's great bang for your buck. That's a condenser. 
Yeah, that's a large, di- well, large-ish diaphragm condenser mic, um, and they're great. Awesome. A, a sort of upgrade, we're, we, you know, we mentioned the 57. The other one that comes up a ton is the SM7. Yes. It's a broadcast mic. You'll see, uh, you know, like radio shows, that kind of stuff. They're almost always either an RE20 or a SM7. It's a sure, K, uh, a sure SM7 um, dynamic, but kind of sound, it's a, it's a 57, 58 kind of vibe, just more, just better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's got a little bit of a fuller, it's not as, uh, an SM57 has that mid hump right. that it's so famous for, and the 7 doesn't, it's not quite as pronounced, I don't think. That's right. It's great for like a good, like loud rock vocal. Mm-hmm. It, it really handles that People well. are, I see them all the I, because it's a dynamic, people are throwing them on hi-hats all the time now. Mm-hmm. It's like becoming a, a big thing. It's interesting to me. It kind of rolls off that sizzle. Um, some Just kind of general um, brands to look for that have a lot in that sort of mid-range. Again, Rode, Mike Tech, Mojave. Um, Warm is making is making uh, mics now. I haven't used any, but I've heard great things. And again, Shure microphones. Those they they make a lot of stuff kind of in this range. That's kind of their sweet spot of uh, yeah. Of stuff. I, I'd say this the is the bulk of their yeah. Most their, of their product range is is right around this mm-hmm. this price. Ribbon mic that Royer um, R10. I haven't used it. I used the the one they used to make the R101. Um, Royer is ubiquitous with ribbon. I mean that's yep. That's all they make is ribbon mics, yep. right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of Royer and AEA. That's that. Those are the ribbon companies. Um, that R101 they used to make, I don't, I guess they don't make it anymore. They just replace it with the R, the R10. Phenomenal. I mean, it's, when you put it on a guitar cab, it sounds just like a, a 121 t- uh, to me. Then you've got the Bayer, uh, Bayer Dynamic. Right. M160. Those are awesome. Classic, classic ribbon. That's the Jimi Hendrix mic. That's right. <laughs> if, you see them all the time. They're just, yeah. they just got a little round head. They kind of look like a 58, but not really. Um, if you have a giant Marshall. <laughs> and you turn it up all the way, like Hendrix did, and you put the, they would put it like five feet away from it, yep. pointing at it. That's that's the boom. Same. You got it. <laughs> high end microphones. We're not going super high end. We're gonna kind of put the cap at fifteen hundred bucks. Again, might sound like a little bit of money, but that's just that's that's life. Uh, dynamic mics in that range don't really exist. If you're paying if you're paying over seven hundred bucks for a dynamic mic. Um, don't. No. no. <laughs> Your money is spent better spent somewhere else. Um, some of those some of those um same brands come back. Mojave is great. I can't can, recommend those high enough. Mojave I think mics, they sound so good. I think they're great. Same with Mike Techs. I, I do have an endorsement with both those <laughs> companies, <laughs> but that was because I went to them um and bought stuff and we got along great and they offered they offered endorsement. Um I, I bought their product first and right. then went after them and, and I wanted to endorse them because I think they make great products, especially at the price point. Absolutely. Um, you can kind of get into some low-end um, or less expensive Neumann mics when you get up to that. Um, one of those is the TLM-103. Love that mic. Great utility mic. Mm-hmm. Acoustic instruments, vocals. Yeah, I think it sounds really good on vocals. It's great. I love them. Neumann, for if you are not familiar, it makes some of the highest end mics. Right. Um, One of the most famous famous mics ever that you'll see is like the, you know the C twelves and right. I like the stuff. Uh, yeah that I, I like that one of three a lot. It's a, it's a good all around mic. Yeah. Um, on our show notes, Eric has the Block One ninety five. Boom. Listed. That's yeah. what that's what I have as my kind of main vocal mic. I don't think they're making them anymore. 
new. I think you have to find it used. They're they're still on Sweetwater. Oh, really? Yeah. Look at that. It's yeah. a it's a great it's um, awesome great all around mic. It's very Fet forty seven esque. That's yeah. um, Bach also makes the Fet. I think they call it the Fet seven. Um, but there's a lot of the same characteristics that the times I've used that mic. It's got that thing, and yep. and it's kind of punchy. It's it's cool. It's great, and and very detailed. You get that sort of high end mic vibe out of it, right? Yeah, and I'm one of the uh, the people that doesn't do acoustic very often, um, and so in my studio, I kind of have that as my all like catch all mic. I, right. I use it mostly to record vocals, but if I have to record acoustic or something else tambourine i don't know <laughs> there's mm-hmm. a lot of things i use it for right and it's sa- it, for a large diaphragm Mono condenser, overhead. exactly for a uh, kick out if yeah. you want to do that fat thing uh, but for a large diaphragm condenser it sounds pretty good on an acoustic guitar yeah ribbons that's kind of that's you get all those classic ribbons the uh royer 121 the royer 122 i think that actually goes up out of that price range but right. that's up there the aea r92 i like that a little better than that's the, the stereo one right no okay um what thank, is you, thank you for correcting me on the air <laughs> i think it's r88 is a stereo yes, one yes uh they make the 84 i tend to like the 92 better i, I mm-hmm. don't know i don't know why it just usually sounds better when they're put up the the latest one i used it's a new mic it's the aea uh n22 mm-hmm. that thing's awesome yeah because some of the stuff that makes ribbons so great or you know some of the things known with ribbons like john was saying the you kind of need more gain. It's not usually quite as detailed and all that. This sounds a lot, it sounds like a cross between a condenser, that detailed thing, and a ribbon. That's cool. Um, it's a lot, so it's great for vocals. It's a, it's a ribbon. It's got that warmth, that depth, that like chesty thing um, that you can get out of a, a ribbon with a vocal or a, a vocal with a ribbon. Um, but yeah, it just has a little more detail and all that. AEA is a is a old company. They've been making yeah. ribbon microphones for a that's long time. That's that Sinatra time. thing, right? Yeah. And it's like that's the one you see is that huge grill. Right. I mean, the mic's massive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I once mic'd up a toy piano. I, I had one of those on loan. <laughs> <laughs> the AEA like huge that's awesome. Sinatra mic. It's like an eight thousand dollar mic, but I was like, whatever. It it looked funny, and that's why I mic'd it up. So why not? So if we've now covered, we, we've got a source, we've mic'd it, it's into our computer, we need to hear it. <laughs> and that's probably the last... I, mean, I guess. <laughs> that's probably the last step of like absolutely essential gear. Right. Is some way to monitor your recording. If you can start with headphones, you can start with monitors. It, it really depends. That, that's sort of a question that depends on your setup. If you're um, trying to record yourself... Headphones are probably the place to start because you'll need to have something to monitor your recording. At, at a minimum. Head, right. I mean, I, I would always, always recommend monitors if you can. If you can't, you know, go headphones. But even if you have monitors, you need headphones right. to be able to turn the monitors off and record and not get playback in the in the mic and whatnot. So. Right. Yeah, There's and there's two different, you know, real reasons for headphones, I guess, for, like you said, monitoring... Uh, yourself while you're recording or in some circumstances mixing it. But the other one would be for your clients to monitor themselves. That's right. And so there's sort of different considerations. If you're you're just going to record yourself, you can buy some nice headphones. Mm -hmm. 
if you need to have eight pairs of headphones so a band can hear itself, you might you yeah, might you need don't to need four hundred dollar headphones. Yeah, you might need to scale back a little <laughs> bit. So the the probably the most ubiquitous headphones are those Sony. Um, I had them written down. Do you have them written down? I don't because uh, I don't like them. I to be honest, <laughs> I don't like them either. Um, They're like twenty threes or something. The, the the one that I always see M- MDR seven seventy five oh six. Yeah, that's soup. That rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you see them a bunch. I mean, they they are they are good basic headphones. Better for the same price, I think, are the Sennheiser HD 280s. There's yeah, the exact same price. There's more isolation. Bucks, right? Yep, more isolation. You see those everywhere. Yeah, I I have a pair of them. I love them, and they last forever. Mm-hmm. They kind of they maybe not studio standard. I don't I don't know. It seems like they kind of took over from those like Fostex awful. Yeah, awful, I won't even talk about them. Another good one that I have. Um, Audio Technica ATH M20X. I wrote down the model number. They're cool. fifty dollars. Awesome. And they, and they're they sound pretty good um, for what they are. They would be a great if you need five or six pairs sure. of headphones, kind of headphones. The the ones that John is using, uh, the AKG K240s. They're like seventy bucks. Love them. They're they're not super hyped. They're very listenable. It helps a lot. Like, you know, if you're wearing headphones right. for hours on hours, um, it helps to have something that's nice. Uh, the Bayer Dynamic, they make Bayer, Bayer, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> they make really nice headphones that, again, are very comfortable. They have open back. They have closed back. Um, the 770s, great, very listenable. Um, those are some good recommendations. Bayer Dynamic makes a mid-range headphone, $300-ish, that are- are probably the most comfortable headphones you'll ever put on your head. It they're, feels like putting on a <laughs> like a velvet couch. It really, on your it does. Head. There, there are some good headphones in that range. I, we don't really need to get into them too much, but if you're looking to mix, your, you know, you don't have enough quite for for monitors, but you need to buy some headphones to mix your stuff. The three to five hundred dollar range is probably where you're going to be at. I have a pair of Focals. Uh, that are, that are really good. They're very flat. Focal. Focal. Excuse me. I got corrected by the Focal rep one well, time. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. Sen- Sennheiser makes some really good headphones yeah. in that range. The I lo- I have a pair of them. I love them. The higher end HD headphones. They are a little bit hi-fi. They're almost more meant for like listening to like a vinyl record right. on headphones. Right. And so they're a little. I would describe them as soft. Mm. Um, but they sound great. And if you can kind of get used to how they translate, they could be a good option too. Yeah. But Grados, actually. Yes. Grados. Those are the best. They look super funky and stupid, but they sound amazing. They don't work in loud situations. No, they're open back most <laughs> they're of the time. They're open back and it's it's meant for you to sit in a room and mix or whatever. But but I've mixed on those headphones and they they're they're awesome. I'll tell you about the Grados. We had the choice in a class I took in college uh, between the Sennheisers and the Grados, they're basically the same quality. Mm. Um, but I chose the Sennheisers. I've used the Grados a bunch. They hurt my ears. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't like the way they sound. They are, they, they're, yeah. They're, they're unique. They sound great. <laughs> they sound amazing. But I just, they're just, they were not comfortable for me. Yeah. Um, but it, once we've, you know, decided we're going to buy some monitors. Right. This is where I'm going to defer to you, Eric, because I think you've got some good monitor knowledge okay you've stepped it up from since i've known you some you've gone up a couple levels in that yeah monitors are i mean just monitoring in in general when you're recording is everything because 
you're only as good as what you're hearing, right? So it, it is important, but I get that expensive monitors, headphones, whatever it is, it costs a lot of money. There's a few price points or a few, uh, let's say it like this. There's a few um, areas in this chain that we're talking about where it makes sense to spend money if you've got it. Right. And I would say that monitors and microphones more so than interfaces. Sure. If, if you're trying to decide between two out of three or one out of the three, uh, your monitors are going to scale with the rest of your rig. Mm-hmm. So if you buy nice monitors, it doesn't matter if you upgrade the rest of your stuff. Your monitors are still going to be nice and they work. The problem with interfaces sometimes is technology changes. They may not be compatible with newer gear. So right. y- y- it may not always make sense to buy. No matter what you buy in that realm, mm-hmm. almost guaranteed you're going to upgrade at some point. Right. Just just to make sure it works with your computer. Right. You know, uh, Microphones are, are in the same category as monitors, though. They're... A good microphone's going to be a good microphone forever. Forever. Um, the best thing about monitors, I'm, I didn't mean to cut you off no, there. you're good. The best thing about monitors is you don't have to buy the best pair as long as you know what you're getting out of them. Right. So I, I used to have uh, as an Event Precision 8s, good kind of uh, high, mid-high end, I don't know, maybe just maybe just mid-range. But I knew them. I had them for eight years, and I knew them inside and out. And my mix is translated, and that's the most important part um, with any monitors. The the two things I'd say when you're thinking about buying monitors, listen to them first. Don't do not buy monitors without hearing them. <laughs> do not do it. Even if you have to buy them and put them in your room, knowing that you're going to return them, yeah, you need to listen to them. The other thing would be how big is your room. If you've yes. got uh, a five by five closet that you've converted into your recording space, you don't need eight inch monitors. Right, and, and, you, you probably need headphones. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> that's a bad example. But if you've got a big enough room to support the eight inch woofers, you know, go that route. It, it, the smaller ones might not work, and and vice versa. Right. So again, kind of broke it down into some low, mid, high end, um, under four hundred bucks. Now we're talking per pair of monitors. Because you need two, most likely. You can mix in mono. Wouldn't recommend it. Um, Adam <laughs> makes great... I wouldn't recommend it at all. <laughs> Adam makes great monitors. Yes. Um, the, the new Personas Eris. Um, I just heard those. They sound great. I, I've, I've had experience, not with the Eris, but a couple different Presonus monitors. Yeah. And, and, and I think they're a quality product, for sure. They, they're nice. They, they kind of sound like, like you want to listen to them. Right. That's, yeah. That's a good thing with monitors. There's some, uh, you know, a lot of people have like those Yamahas. I don't really like them. I put them on here because they, I guess you can get them to translate those S, those HS yeah, I, series. I'm not, I'm not a fan of those. They're super boxy. Yeah, and just, I agree. But they, they are, a lot of people have them. Right. So I guess they're good. In the mid-range? Yeah, mid-range monitors. Again, it's kind of those same brands that, that just... You're going up in woofer size, right? Right. A lot of those um, that I mentioned before were like four, maybe five inch um, woofers. And so those same sort of brands, the Personas Eris, but like the eight inch. So you get a lot more low end. Yep. <coughs> Whoa, voice cracked. Um, the Atom, you're going up to the seven inch woofers. Uh, I, like, those, I like the Atoms in this range. I think they're yep. pretty good for their money. I do too. Um and some of the bo- the most bang for your buck monitors, the Focal Alphas, are phenomenal. I like them better than some of the high end <laughs> Focals. I really do. They just sound 
more pleasant to listen to. So the the Focal Alphas, the 50s, which is a five inch woofer, the 65, which is six and a half. Um, that's like, most of these are named where you can figure out how big the woofer is. <laughs> yeah, if there's a if there's a five, seven, six, eight, <laughs> yeah, that's usually the size of the woofer. Um, but those are great. I I really like them. Um, they're good. High end, moving up from there, we're talking like 800 bucks and up. Again, the Focal Alpha 80s, they're right at a grand. Uh, that's that's pretty good. I yeah. mean, it, for what you're getting, it it's great. Um, the Persona Scepter, they're really funky looking. They have like a woofer with like a horn in the middle of them. But uh, I I had a buddy down the in the same building as me anyway. Had another studio. He had those. I really liked listening to him when I was in there. I did a couple little projects with him. Um, Dyn Audio, that's another one you can they make start. A, they make a lot in this range. Yeah, that that's. It's all really good. Yeah, they have they have a few options. Um, they all sound great, and they're usually like a even like the like the five inch uh, Dyn audios are great. They have they have like a lot of snap to them and stuff. But I, I think they're really good. I would say the only problem with the Dyn audios that I've heard is they almost sound a little too good. Mm. Like they kind of make genelic thing. Yeah, they kind of make everything sound awesome. Yeah, and you, you got to be careful of that. But the same thing, like you said earlier, if you get to know your monitors, you'll know yes. what's going on. But I, I, I like the like almost the, any, uh, you know. So I just upgraded my monitors from those events to some PMC two two sixes that are expensive. Um, but even still, I I had to relearn these. You know, like right. they're just because you buy expensive monitors doesn't mean everything's easy and and you mix everything like a pro all of a sudden. I, it took a good month. Um, I did pick these because they had the similar kind of footprint to my previous monitors. They had the same sort of low-end feel to me, and that's probably why I picked them because they just sounded a little bit familiar, just a lot more detail. And that's kind of what you're getting when you get up into the high-end monitors, like the stereo imaging. Um, the components are exact and real precise, so that vocal is like right up front, right in the middle, and it, and it does make some things easier. They're a lot more true sometimes. Um I mean, you're paying for all kinds of stuff once you <laughs> right. get up real high end. Um, but almost, almost all that stuff is worth it. You know, it just, sure. It just really depends on if it's more of a project thing, if it's a hobby, or if you're doing it as your profession. This is this is my job, so I have to make the investments in in the uh, into it. It it makes a little bit of a difference too, depending on what you're doing. If you're um, planning on being a guy that tracks but doesn't mix a lot. Yeah. There are certain ways you need to go. I mean, it's never bad to have detail, um, but it's almost like you need different details. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I would say that in general these days, most people that are setting up studios are kind of jacks-of-all-trade kind of right. guys, do a, do a little bit of everything. Um, the last thing I do want to touch on just for a second about monitors is that um, – Sound treatment is is super important. <laughs> it's that is its own topic. We may touch on that in future episodes. Well, yeah, we'll have to dig into that one. But y- y- you need to think about planning planning on some sound treatment in your room. There's a lot of options there, DIY stuff that you can build. There's stuff all over the internet about it. Um, there's obviously prepackaged stuff, the foam that everybody knows. Um, that's that's sort of the one area where headphones might have a little bit of an advantage for somebody right. maybe starting out with with nothing is they don't have to worry about sound treating their room if they're mixing in headphones. Now, that does have other problems like bass is notoriously tough to mix in headphones. But also re- not just for monitoring but for recording purposes as right. well. 
all those scattery echoes and everything that's all coming into your microphone at the same time as your sound source. Um, like, like John said, we gotta, that's probably its own episode. I, I don't know if we'll it's get into it. It's such a can it. of worms. Yeah. It, and I'm not an acoustician, so no, I agree. that's, that's not my. I agree that you're not an acoustician. <laughs> acoustician. I don't, I don't even know how to say it. I'm obviously not it. There are some other options. Some, <clears throat> some companies make software. They yeah. can sort of correct your room. The I, the only one that's worth a damn is the one. That, I don't even, I don't remember the name of the company, but I I tried it over Vintage King and it was like eight grand. I'm like, oh wow, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Something I'll never have. <laughs> right. <laughs> Might as well be eighty thousand dollars, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but yes, acoustic treatment. Um, Owens Corning seven hundred three is yep. probably your best friend. You can just <laughs> put a sheet over, put it on your wall, put a sheet over it. And um, th- anything helps, really, right. with, with acoustic treatment. Almost every room, no, every single room will have some overtones and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's just all about how you treat it and what you can do to minimize that. Even, you know, furniture helps. Right. Everything helps. Carpet could Book, help. Bookcases. Everything. Yeah. Um, but every room will need it, and it is worth spending some time and energy uh, getting that, tackling that. Next up is one of mine and John's favorite topics, which is just other outboard gear. It's fun. It's sexy. It's good. <laughs> yeah. This is when you can like, you can go to a message board and learn about <laughs> 900 things that you didn't know about, but you need immediately. There's there's everything. That, that's this category. The most um, necessary, I guess, would be Mike Pries. They're endless possibilities. Um, again, breaking it down, low, medium, high, some great low end sort of budget, um, companies to look at black lion, um, great stuff in general. They make really good, uh, budget friendly, budget conscious products, uh, that golden age, um, 1073. It's basically a 1073 clone for 250 bucks. That's great. That's a good deal. Yeah. And when you're talking about needing more inputs, say your um, your interface has two built-in mic pre's and eight other inputs, line inputs, that's when you need more mic pre's, right, to get right. into that. Um, that's where this comes into play. When you could do things like if – so let's say you have the four-channel – four pre's and, and four um, – Line ends. Line ends. You may not – record eight sources all at once, but you may record a female vocal, a male vocal, uh, and and just want different flavors of, of a mic preamp. That's It's great to get something at that price range that right. can give you just a different flavor. Well, and some of these, you know, well, I would say, especially those two that I just mentioned, those will beat out a lot of the built-in. That's why you get external right. pre's is because those are going to beat some of the low-end um, interface preamps, built-in preamps. Once you get up into the kind of mid high end stuff that's when those pre's get better but um, I would when say you talk that even, about needing a good sound source even with the mid high pre's they're probably engineered to be not no character but like minimal character right 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 to try to work on as many things as possible and so you, when you can start introducing different characters is Flavor. right yeah 
moving up from there, um, kind of looking more in like, I don't know, 500-ish range. Um, some of those brands come back. Warm Audio makes all, all their stuff. The the WA-12, it's like a 312. Um, the Tone Beast, the, the 1073 type, type Pre, those are all great. Um, the Black Lion stuff, they make the standalone rack versions and everything. Um, a great bang for your buck. Uh, it's, it's more expensive. It's 850, but that, um, audience ASP 800, that's eight pre's for 850. That's great quality and great quantity for you. Yeah. For, you know, you're looking at $106, uh, a preamp for a pro or at least almost pro sure. preamp. That's great. Um, Another like thing that. to think about too is for some of these, um, if you're getting auxiliary channels, right? Sometimes it's you do need the quantity, you need good quality, but you also need quantity. If you're recording a drum set, for instance, you need to, and you need to record three toms, you maybe don't need the highest quality. You right. Need, you need good quality, but you also you need three of them at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's good to get something like that. Another one to think about is Focusrite. Makes some good. I think it's called the Octopri. Right. And Focusrite now has the Scarlet line, and they have the Claret line, right. uh, and it kind of steps up in price and, and quality and stuff. The Octopri has a digital out, so if you have any of those interfaces that has uh, an ADAT in, it, it'll get you another eight channels digital. Um, that's that's pretty good too. Yeah. Um, this new Heritage Audio uh, Elite line. Um. I don't know how they did it, but all of a sudden they made the same high-quality, legit 1073 clones um, for like half the price. Yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden they just started making it. Uh, they changed their facility or something. You can read about it. But as far as quality for a single rack space, single channel, 650 for a legitimate 1073 Class A single channel, it's just the pre, that's solid. That's a, that's a great deal right there. Um once you get up to the high end, it's kind of, you know, whatever you want, whatever flavor you want. Some some of my favorite preamps, obviously the 1073, an API 312. Um, love those. They make the four-channel version and everything. I love the Wonder preamps, the Cobalt. Those are the single channels. They make a four-channel as well. They make a 1073. Uh, Shadow Hills, which I have, Crane Song. John's got the Germanium Chandler stuff. Oh, man, it's so UTA, good. Um, undertone audio stuff. I just use that. Those were phenomenal. Um, it's really once you get up to that point and you're paying that much money, they're all great, right? It's just whatever flavor you like. If it suits your voice, if it suits, uh, if you're doing drums, some are snappier, some are smoother. One thing I would encourage everybody to do that's listening to this is you're hearing us use some phrases that may be unfamiliar to you. Ten seventy three API. Yeah. I mean, it is a lot Once of you numbers. you start rattling it off, it just uh, goes. Right. And and it's just, it, it comes from us having done this for a while. But if you if you get online and look through audio forums, you're going to come across these exact same... What's your favorite audio forum? Uh, Gear Sluts. Gear Sluts. Yeah. Everyone go there. Look it up. If, if you're going to get on Gear Sluts and look around, you, you'll start seeing people just throw out 1073 or... or discrete or, or, or you know, terms like this, what I would encourage everyone to do is just try to get as much experience wherever you can with all these different types of preamps before you make a decision to purchase one. Right. Some of your some of your uh, dealers, Vintage King, that kind of stuff, even Sweetwater, they might send you, if you can ask them for demos, they'll give it to you. 
some rental places, same sort of stuff. Yeah, definitely, definitely look for the rental market. And when you're in a studio, if you have the chance to go to record either your band or some other band that you're producing, pay attention to the gear they're using to get the sounds. You mm-hmm. know, if 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 you're trying to go from somebody who has to always go to a studio to to having your own studio, you know, try to try to try to kind of pay attention to what's going on, because I'll tell you that you can get lost online with everybody loves the blah 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 <laughs> right and it may not be your thing yeah you know just because something is good and high quality doesn't mean you're going to like it right so the 1073 is a great tracking pre but not a good mixing or great the, tracking eq but not right <laughs> mixing EQ. there's what does that mean yeah it, there's a there's a lot of stuff and and it's you're you're really going to find it out you're 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 going to make some wrong decisions that's that's okay because yeah. you i would say that the one real solid benefit I can give you to buying something that's more expensive over when it comes to outboard gear specifically over something that's a little bit less expensive is if you make a wrong decision, you can probably offload it and get most of your money back. Right. You know, um, that's maybe not so true on the lower end stuff. Lower end stuff you're going to lose money on. Right. High end gear, it it holds its value 80% and up, you know, kind of pretty good, which is, which is helpful. And, and again, to, to reiterate, a lot of this stuff can be found yeah. Used. I hardly buy anything new. The great thing about buying new, you can get a credit card. <laughs> Sweetwater, Vintage King, 0%. That's helpful. But look for deals. There's people that are closing down studios or just or just downsizing. You know, they used to have a tracking studio. Getting rid of mass amounts of gear, you can get great deals on stuff. And I would say that musicians and engineers are notorious for um, having a just, they just want something new. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of in that place right now. Yeah. I've got this compressor I love, but there's a new one. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah, it's same SSL style thing, but I'm like, yeah, I kind of want a new one. <laughs> Why? Other outboard gear, you're talking about compressors, EQs. Um, All that is very application specific, I would so, say. So, so very much. So I want to maybe cover some brands in those price points. That might be helpful. Just a good kind of point you in that direction um i just came across the fredenstein fredenstein stuff it's all gold it looks kind of weird it looks like it's got an ear for the for the logo their stuff is great <laughs> some of it is very counter their high end stuff is not intuitive and it's funky but um they make some outboard stuff 350 400 range um their eqs compressors are great lindell Mm-hmm. They make good budget f- conscious stuff. Yep. Um, up from that a little bit, you're looking at warm, uh, warm audio. They make a l- lot of great. The stuff. The warm stuff is great. The 1176. The 1176 is incredible. The LA2. Mm, yep. The the pull text they make. Um, I guess they make like an LA3A now, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I haven't used that one. Thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stam audio, same stuff. They make an SSL bus compressor that's like 400 bucks for a stereo bus compressor that sounds phenomenal um in the right application it sounds just like an ssl compressor it's great uh dbx is another they make some 160s that kind of stuff they're they're good mid-range and it's and this stuff is pro gear right um this stuff is pro i say mid-range i'm looking at price range that's what i talk about when i'm talking about low mid and high price range it doesn't just because everything that we're recommending we've used and we think can get the job done. Yeah, and it's well worth the money. Right. Moving up from there, 
just like everything, <laughs> sky's the limit. You right. can go get yourself, you know, a Fairchild if you want and spend fifteen grand. Um, but Empirical Labs distressor, everything Empirical Labs makes is great. The distressor is my single favorite piece of recording equipment. Yep. Likewise, the the retro stuff is unbelievable. Um, Stay level. Yeah, everything they make. Uh, Really go crazy. Some all those big brands, you know, that you see at Universal Audio, the eleven seventy six, the LA two A. Those are compressors stuff. as well. Compressors. Um, they they are what they are, and they're worth it, and they're great pieces of gear. The SSL stuff. Yeah. All those brands that you see all the time, API Neve SSL, they're all great. Go listen. Put your hands on the gear. Learn to love them. Learn to hate them. Just have fun. Use your ears. Gear is fun. <laughs> so the, the last thing to talk about, I, um, I guess gear-wise, is computers. I mean, that's <laughs> we can't get away from them. Right. It's probably the most frustrating part of the chain because they're always upgrading, and you've got this operating system, and the new one's out, and it doesn't work yeah. with all your stuff, and you got to pay money to upgrade all your stuff. You know, I have an iMac. I've had it since 2014 or so, 15, mm-hmm. 15, I think. And it, it works great. It's still working great. Um, yeah, we're Mac guys over here. It, it's important to, in my opinion, get as much as you can afford in the in the form of RAM when you when you get your machine, especially if you're getting something like an iMac or a laptop that's hard to upgrade uh, because that RAM is going to be more beneficial for you. Yeah, when um, it comes to processing. Processing, uh, yeah, stuff. So it's... It's worth it to spend as much as you can on that kind of stuff. Internal hard drives are not as important. You're mostly going to be recording to external drives yep. um, in, in the audio world. 7,200 so, RPM. Yep. Do it. Love it. USB 3. Get it. <laughs> Anything in the in the Mac world, I, I, I probably recommend. I mean, you can get the job done now. It, yeah. Mac I have a friend with a tracking studio across the street. He runs it on a Mac Mini, and he has 24 in and out constantly all day long he said he never has an issue with it that's sweet for a computer that's nine you know nine inches by two inches tall it's crazy great the main thing i would say to be mindful of when you're looking for a computer we talked earlier about how most of the interfaces work with most of the software some of the software is operating system dependent Mm -hmm. logic only works on a mac um some of the interfaces are mac only a few of them are are traditionally Mac only that have just now come out with Windows stuff. I'd wait to see how that goes before you just jump in. Yeah. Um, but so just to keep that in mind, Windows is fine. We just don't work in that world. Yeah, I haven't touched it in a long time. When I started on Pro Tools, it was Mac only. That's and, mm-hmm. and now I'm just comfortable on a Mac. Yeah. The uh, just think about: Do you need to travel? Do you not? I mean, that's kind of where it's going to be. Whether, sure. Whether you're what kind of application you're looking for. Pick something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, really, MacBook, you know, whatever. It's all yeah. it's all going to run great. Um, just so I guess the main thing is HD or not. If you're going to go Pro Tools HD or something, PCIe cards, which you can get Thunderbolt stuff for that. Yeah, uh, I have an HD rig. That's a good um, point. So I have a I have a tower, um, and that's why I'm probably going to always have. I, I don't know. I'm going to upgrade, so I might get like a Thunderbolt chassis or something. That, that's but, a, that's the good point. 
whatever interface you get is going to have either Thunderbolt, USB, FireWire. Some of them are still FireWire. So you just need to make sure you have a machine that has the correct input or can be converted to the correct input. Yeah, most will have some conversion cable or something. And then, like John said, external hard drives are important for everyone. Some great brands. Glyph. Yep. Glyph drives are great. I have a bunch. <laughs> I have about eight sitting on my desk right now. <laughs> Um, let's see. That's another known one. Mm-hmm. But I mean, sometimes you just get a backup as well. Get a lot of backups. Get a backup yeah. of the backup of the backup. And for that, just get it. Just just have hard drive, hard, hard drive space. Sometimes look into some cloud storage. Yeah, um, options too. Super helpful. Um, the the thing that I guess the category that people don't think about very often. What did I label it? I think I labeled it something very boring ele- stuff. Yeah, boring. That's yeah. right, boring stuff. So. Under boring stuff, we would talk about cables, mic cables, mm-hmm. instrument cables. Hard, I would put external hard drives. There's nothing less sexy than buying <laughs> a hard drive. Right. I hate those days when it's I go spend five hundred dollars and it's just on hard drive. But you have to something that's it sounds um, simple in concept, but it's not always done in practice. And this is again speaking from experience. If you've got a mic for every input on your on your uh, pre or your uh, interface, mm-hmm. eight eight inputs, eight mics. Make sure you got a stand for all <laughs> for all those mics. <laughs> Is yeah. it, it doesn't really work with that one. So and mic stands aren't cheap. They aren't. You, they aren't. You need to make sure you budget for that. Uh, and especially a good if you. It if, helps to have good stands too, as they last longer. They last longer, and it just makes it easier. So you're not having to go and readjust it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the the main thing about a stand, I would say, is. Make sure you have a, a stand Sorry. appropriate for the application. Kick drum mics need to have a, a stand with a, a weighted bottom, mm-hmm. you know, type and thing. And a boom. Right. And then, you know, if you've got a, a condenser mic, mid-range or high, whatever, you need to have a stand sturdy enough to hold it without dropping it because it's going to break if, if it falls. <laughs> Which is bad. Yeah, I mean, like, break, like, not fix it, break. <laughs> like, get a new mic. Um, yeah, heavy-duty stands. Very helpful. Have Cabling. a couple. Yeah, ha- have some. There, get some quality mic cables. Mogami uh, quad cable. Yeah. Redco quad. Redco's great. Mm-hmm. Go to Redco website. Uh, DIY cables is yeah the best way to that, go. Yeah, I, I would I would look into just YouTube some how to solder cables. Mm-hmm. It's not really all that difficult. It is. Um, and and a soldering iron you can get a decent one for twenty bucks. And, you know, you're going to get a lot more bang for your buck if you make your own cables because uh, you can buy it in bulk. I would say definitely look into some instrument cables too. Yeah. Even if you're not somebody that plays electric guitar, it's always good to have some good quality electric guitar cables just in case. Speaker cables. Speaker well. cables, yeah, in case somebody comes over and uh, forgets theirs, you know. Or they come over and they've got some trash that's been – just coiled up in a knot in the back in the bottom of their amp might not be the best cable to record with. That's right. Um, pop filters. <laughs> We're laughing because we had to scrounge around and find these pop filters. Like uh, I swear I have two pop filters around here. Um, yeah, a comfortable chair. <laughs> headphone extension cables. Headphone, all that stuff. Yeah, it's just it stuff. adds up. Um, and it it adds up money wise. I have a patch base, so there's patch cables. Uh, those aren't fun to buy. That's boring stuff. Yeah. 
think that about covers all the boring stuff that you actually need to have. Monitor stands, maybe. I don't yeah, know. when you when you see it, or you know, boring stuff is a lot of that stuff that just kind of comes up, and you're like, well, guess I'm going to Guitar Center <laughs> to buy it just because right. it, it does. It just comes up. Boring stuff is when it's good to have a music store in your town that's open to like eight. That that's very helpful. You think we covered it all? I think we probably didn't, <laughs> but we covered enough. You know, if you uh, are listening to this and have any good ideas that we didn't touch on, send us an email. Yes. If you have any more questions or want us to cover something more in depth in a future episode, send us an email. Also, just on this specific topic, if if uh, you want, if you just want to. Any suggestions on putting your rig together? I would I would love to talk about. It. I like talking about gear. So sure, absolutely. Get us up about that too. So thank you for listening, and uh, stay tuned for more episodes soon.